Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day with me, my contributor, none other than Jessica Burbank, Rebel HQ contributor, analyst, and all around amazing individual and brilliant person. Should be a fascinating breakdown. First story of the day, Bishop Bling. Listen, Bishop, I just met you just a few months ago when you got robbed on television while preaching. Now you have been arrested for fraud. You also decided to take your social media to call me out personally and said that I was damaging your good name. Let me be very clear. I criticized those who robbed you and I criticized you for robbing your church members. All right, that's fair to me. Bishop Bling has been arrested for fraud. Let me remind you of our first contact with the bishop. Here it is. How many of you have lost your faith because you saw somebody else die? What you about to go through? Yo, yo, all right, 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 all right, right, yo, all right, all right. All right, horrific situation. Many thought it was actually a coordinated robbery. However, the evidence did not bear that out. It was a tragedy for something like that to happen. But then just a few weeks later, this happened. I'm gonna make you famous, come on up here. Yes, Lord. Glory to God. Now remove her out of here. Now move her out of here. Move her out of here. Amen. Now let's give Jesus a round of applause. While they take pictures and they want to be on social media. Take the pictures. 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 Now, now go over here, okay? Now go over here, go over here, grab her. Okay, the woman who was assaulted in that video says that she never tried to attack anybody. She was actually doing research for a book that she's writing about charismatic preachers. What's interesting to note is that the bishop went from speaking in tongues, which by the way, according to Christian doctrine is an expression of high spiritual dynamics inside of an individual. That means they have obtained a spiritual maturity and they are close to the divine. So literally this bishop went from speaking in tongues to choking a woman in his church within seconds. Now that same bishop, let's put his picture up full mass. The man who likes to wear, according to him, about a million dollars worth of jewelry and drive a Rolls Royce to an impoverished neighborhood every Sunday. Brooklyn Bishop Lamore Miller Whitehead is facing federal fraud and extortion charges. Controversial Bishop, 45 years of age, has now been arrested on federal fraud charges after church members. Church members alleged he deceived them out of thousands of dollars. The clergyman dubbed the Bling Bishop who said he was robbed of $1 million worth of jewelry while preaching during a Sunday service. 
may face up to a maximum of six to five years in prison if he is found guilty. Now, let me say this, let me be very clear, okay? Uh, to the bishop, bishop, I do not besmirch you because you are a preacher. I do not criticize you because you are a man of the gospel. I criticize you because when all of this went down, one of your church members, one of the more elderly members, came out and said that you robbed her, basically. Her details were striking. I believed her over you. And that's when I decided to engage you in a different way. You see, preacher, charlatans exist in every industry, especially those in faith. Just as I criticize those on the Christian evangelical right, I am well capable of criticizing individuals like you who may actually support some of the values I agree with. But there's one value I do not negotiate on, Bishop, and that is people, how you treat people. Now, I don't give a damn about you calling me out on social media. I've already told you I stand on that. It seems to me that I was not your biggest problem, literally. Your own church members are the ones who gave you the bad name. There's more, on Monday, the FBI took Bishop Whitehead, the senior pastor of Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministry in Brooklyn into custody. After federal prosecutors accused him of stealing from his members who trusted him to invest their money and help them in real estate and later lying to the FBI about those business arrangements. According to a news release posted by the Department of Justice, Bishop Whitehead has been charged with two counts of wire fraud, each of which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years. He has also been charged with one count of extortion, extortion, which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years, and one count of making false statements, which carries a maximum of five. The prosecution of this case will be handled by the DOJ's Public Corruption Unit. Damian Williams, the US Attorney for the Southern District of New York, and Michael J. Driscoll, Assistant Director in Charge of the New York Field Office of the FBI, unsealed Whitehead's indictment. As we allege today, Lamora Whitehead abused the trust placed in him by a parishioner, bullied a businessman for $5,000, then tried to defraud for far more, I now know that was 500,000 that he tried to get from the businessman. And he also lied to federal agents. His campaign of fraud and deceit stops now, according to Williams. Whitehead carried out several duplicitous schemes in order to receive funds from his victims. Additionally, when speaking with authorities, the bishop decided to mislead and lie to them. He added, if you're willing to attempt to obtain funds through false promises or threats, the FBI will ensure that you are made to face the consequences for your actions in our criminal justice system. Now, obviously, I'm no fan of law enforcement in general. I think by and large, they are abusive in how they treat individuals, especially those who are black and brown or historically marginalized. But the writing was on the wall from day one with the bishop because members or former members came out and clearly said, this man stole from me. And when you look at the actual testimony, when you look at the narrative, their details seem authentic. I'm not a court of law. You're innocent until proven guilty, preacher, in a court of law. This is the court of public opinion. I'm able to utilize common sense, weigh the credibility of the messenger as well 
as my own experience, knowing charlatans like yourself. Stand by my opinion, sir. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, for members of his congregation to rob him while he's giving a sermon, I mean, they they knew he had valuables on him. They knew this was someone that was wearing a ton of jewelry, drove expensive cars, and these are people who are in need. I mean, the bishop clearly needs the teachings of Jesus here, and I think Matthew six twenty four applies that you cannot serve both God and money. And if you're a member of the church. You give to the church so that the church can stay in operation because the church is additive to your life. The church should not be stealing from you. And so now we're in this interesting position where the church is operating like a business. And there's a lot of discussion about, well, maybe in this case, because so many churches are operating like this, we should be taxing the church. And it's sad that we're in a place where spiritual institutions are being run this way. That is so well said, I concur with you. Um, 100%. And the irony is, he's going into a community where uh, they really need empowerment. And people that go to the church, they really are looking for guidance and leadership in a very noble way. Uh, and that's why individuals can take advantage of them the way they do. I'm glad it was exposed. Okay. A man receives a $130,000 settlement. He was beaten. By Miami cops. Let me give you a recap of that. Here it is. And I'm so grateful that in this case we had the video surveillance. Video from the night of June 28th, 2019 is what attorney Jordan David attributes to 29-year-old Cody Wade of North Carolina being awarded $130,000 settlement from the city of Miami Beach in his excessive force lawsuit against police. Why would it take multiple officers? to have to seize him, tackle him, and start applying for it. The night of the incident, Wade was at the Mango Tropical Cafe when security asked him to leave for disorderly behavior. Police were called and were seen on body cam video asking Wade to leave. But moments later, Wade is seen on video jogging and runs into the officers. That's when they aggressively take him down, arrest him, punch him several times, then drag his limp body across the street. Close fist punches, multiple strikes, the type of vulgar language that suggests a brawl as opposed to some orderly process of the law. Wade was left unconscious and was later treated at the hospital before taken to jail and charged with resisting arrest and trespassing, although those charges were later dropped. Let me put up one of the pictures full mass to show you the carnage that was visited upon this man. After being punched several times, and arrested, Mr. Wade's body became limp. He couldn't walk, so they decided to drag him. Meanwhile, one of the cops is heard saying, and I quote, get up or we're going to drag you across the street. The officers did obviously follow through. He was still handcuffed, his hands were still behind his back. In the lawsuit filed, it says Wade was left lying unconscious on the curb of the street for several minutes. While the Herald explicitly indicates Wade was unconscious in the street for 12 minutes until paramedics arrived. After paramedics arrived, Wade was taken to the hospital and given Narcan. Narcan, a medicine used to reverse the effects of drug overdose. Although, he says, I didn't have any drugs in my system. I wasn't using any drugs. Uh, that's according to an official court document. The attorney for Mr. Wade says Wade suffered injuries 
from this incident and is still dealing with them currently. Although he declined to reveal his client's medical records in detail. These injuries are going to be long lasting if not permanent, the attorney said. The state of Miami Beach approved to settle Wade's lawsuit during a September 28th commission meeting. Now, okay, let's address the elephant in the room. $130,000, not enough, not enough at all, not even close. Especially when you're talking about injuries that are either A, reoccurring or B, 100% permanent. There's more, Miami Beach police. There's another ongoing dynamic here, okay? Let's put up the pictures. These are pending lawsuits at that same department. They are accused of excessive force, including a July 2021 arrest of Delanta Crudup and Khalid Vaughn. A story that we actually covered. Uh, Mr. Crudup was handcuffed. Officers kicked him, slammed him, slammed his head against the ground while he was handcuffed. During our current Miami uh, Police Chief Richard Clements became chief back in July 2021, mere days after the incident occurred. The chief said of the two individuals, and I quote, This is by no means at all a reflection of the dedicated men and women of the Miami Beach Police Department. Moving forward, I can tell you that my staff and I promise you as individuals and as an agency that we will learn from this and we will grow from this. Well, Chief, that growing process is taking a while here. There continues to be offense after offense. Now we can solve this legislatively, how? George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act is a good start. It would allow us to peek into the background of every cop, all of their disciplinary records. But we don't have that. Democrats didn't push hard enough. Republicans did not give a damn about getting it done. Even though 94% of Americans, all Americans agree that police reform, not criminal justice reform only, but specifically police reform is required. It is a bipartisan issue at its core. It strikes people that are political and apolitical, that are young, not so young. But this issue has not been universally addressed by the members of Congress we elect. All right, Jessica, thoughts? Yeah, the the way he says this is not a reflection of our police department really strikes me because it's a reflection of behavior that's exhibited in pretty much every police department across the United States of America. Like I'm thinking of Quandry Sanders in law in Oklahoma who was shot and then it's a standard practice after he's been shot to handcuff him as he's bleeding out. And then he was dragged by his ankles and it's all on the police body worn camera footage. Officer Hinkle was the officer who did that. And then that's obviously cruel and unusual punishment for someone who's not even been convicted of a crime, someone who's just being arrested by the police. And then now the police have to pay out $130,000 because they were sued as a result of this. The police departments are defunding themselves because of their violent tactics that are standard practice. And really we need a lot to change. And I really think the George Floyd Policing Act is a perfect place to start. Absolutely well said. We have an indisputable exclusive and exclusive update. Remember the janitor that we talked about in a small city. He, according to him, was called the N-word by an administrator in the school. He hit record on his cell phone at that time. 
He then informed the woman who called him the N word, I am recording you. She said, well, that's illegal, according to him. And she then said, I will be connecting with the DA and I will have you prosecuted. He went home, police came to his house, seized his phone, we have the video. Police came again to arrest him after he contacted the media. When the media called the police to inquire, they went to his house, locked him up. He makes bail, he goes home, they come to his house again and they said, you have a a ticket that you never took care of. There's another issue. Now that same janitor has been arrested again by another agency. The unbelievable story. Let me take you to the first video. Can I, how can I help you? I'm uh, answer the front door for you. Receiving calls from here. No one called you. Again? Why are you here? Because you called us. Nobody called you. Yes, you did. Nobody called you, sir. Well, I'm with you. So please come down to the front door. I'm asking you why you're here. I already told you because someone called us here. Nobody called you, sir. That was the latest incident. According to the police, somebody magically called them to the house. The man in question said, nobody called you from this home, why are you here? Now remember the context, they have already harassed this man multiple times. And then they come to his home at 2 a.m. All right, so let me give you, let's put this picture up full mass. And I'm gonna give you some more background and foreground, all right? Custodian at Poconos Mountain West Junior High School in Pennsylvania, his name is Gallivan Dudley, was arrested on December 8th for recording a conversation with another employee at the school. Last night, he contacted Indisputable, and said he was arrested again. Now let me take you to um, the second video, because according to Mr. Dudley, the police forced themselves inside of his home without a warrant. Here it is. This is so sad. After he complained to a white colleague about using the N word, Dudley was fired from that junior high school. Dudley says when he told her 
he had the recording. That's when she threatened to get the district attorney involved and have him arrested. The cops did show up at his house. It looks as if they made good on the initial threat. Here's that video. Well, we're gonna have to come in. Who, who's here with you? Me and my children. Just you and your child. How many kids do you have? Three. Three. Okay. They sleeping? One. Two of them sleeping. One of them. Well, we we don't want to we don't want to wake them up. Um, who is your wife or fiance? I, I don't know her relationship. My wife. Your wife? Not here. Okay. Is she working? Or? She's working. Okay. All right. Well, um, we're gonna have to come in just to make sure uh, nobody else is here other than your kids. But uh, we'll, we'll sit down and talk. Got you. See in the right hand of the officer, that was Mr. Dudley's cell phone. They took Mr. Dudley's cell phone and according to Mr. Dudley, erased everything, including personal photos, effects, etc. He said even his Google Cloud had been somehow erased as well. Put up his picture again. This is a human being, a decent man, according to his wife, a very good man, an honest person. What caused this whole thing? A student lost a wallet. A student lost a wallet. Dudley says the administration requested that he come to the office for computer training. So he gets to the office. He says he was actually excited to learn a new skill. It was a setup. They then accused him of taking the wallet from the student. He said, I took no wallet, don't have a reason to take a wallet. No wallet was found on him. And out of all of the arrest, ladies and gentlemen, since that incident, you know the one thing he has not been arrested for? Stealing a wallet, okay? On December 6th, Mr. Dudley filed a written complaint at the police station about Detective Miller. Let's put up that official complaint. The complaint reads in part, on November 23rd, 2022, two detectives came to my house with a search warrant to search my home and vehicles. They took my phone instead of investigating the woman who used racial slurs and harassed me with disrespect and humiliated me. They violated my first amendment rights. Now, Dudley faces many new charges after yesterday's pre-dawn raid at his home. Let's put it up. Dudley also received a ticket in the mail from the local police department. According to the police, he had a suspended license. On December 7th, one day after he filed his complaint with the police department, Dudley did show indisputable a valid, a valid driver's license that we confirmed. Let's put up this next one. The police detective, Lucas Bray, actually did respond to Mr. Dudley's complaint, saying the department's investigation charges, search warrant and traffic citation were all lawful. Here's the update, Pennsylvania State Troopers came to Dudley's home at 2 a.m. December 19th, saying they were responding to 911 calls. Now damn it, why in the hell are state troopers responding to a basic ass 911 call? Hmm? Have you heard of that before? Up until then, 
it was one jurisdiction, now it's another one. There's more. Dudley was charged with 38 counts. Did you hear me? 38 counts of obstruction of law enforcement, 38 counts of calling 911 inappropriately on December 19th. He was also charged with resisting arrest. Dudley emailed a complaint to the district school days after, district school department days after the school meeting on October 13th. Dudley's email tells administrators he was called the N word. And what happened at a follow up hearing with the school's attorney on October 24th, Dudley requested to play his recording of the incident. He said, okay, listen, we can just settle this down. The woman said the N word, she shouldn't be around children. If you all think I stole a wallet and shouldn't be around children, this woman being racist should not be around children either. Let me go ahead and hit play. Everybody said, oh no, we're not gonna listen to that. That's illegal, all right? So he offered Michael Levin, the attorney for the district, denied his request. He said, no, you cannot play it. He told Dudley in the email, and I quote, you are permitted You are not permitted to play for us and we will not listen to the recording that you allegedly made. It is alleged that the recording that you took was made in violation of the law. If that is true, then any use is not permitted. Dudley says he was fired without explanation. The school district and the police department have not responded to multiple requests for comment. Here's a photo of Gavin and his wife. Man has three kids, and we've had significant contact with this family. These are good people. These are damn good people. Dudley's wife said she told the police last night the number dialing 911 did not even match their own. I offered, she says, to open his phone and show them the call log when I did, and they didn't see any. Calls to 911, they started to say it could have been from a text free app. They told dispatch to call the number. When they did that, I took the phone and showed it to the cop like, look, it's not ringing. They still locked them up. Let's put up the superintendent. Dr. Elizabeth Robinson is the superintendent of schools. And you're looking at the police chief, his name is Chris Wagner. Buck stops with them respectively, school district and city police. The police denied Dudley's allegations. A department press release states, investigators found no evidence of racist statements in Dudley's recordings. So let me read the exact quote. A forensic capture of a cell phone device, not only captures content on the device, but also indicating the files that have been deleted. No files, videos, or other content has been deleted since the device was secured by police investigators. Press release, no evidence, just a press release. Oh, There's nothing to see here, but they told on themselves in the press release. The press release literally says the N word was not used. This is a virtual proclamation of the press release. That means the press release was not about their processes at the city police department. It was about proclaiming that the white woman who made the damn statement was not racist. Oh, There's no N word on here, look at that, look at that. All right, Jessica, miscarriage of justice multiple times, obviously, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, this is just a whole string of events of someone doing the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And it starts with them accusing this custodian who cleans the schools of stealing. When I was a kid, I lost so many things that were me just genuinely losing things. It's how kids are. And so with no evidence of a wallet being stolen, why do we think this custodian was accused? Most likely because he was black, considering especially she called him the n-word. Would he be recording if she didn't call him the n-word? Would she care about the recording and say that it was illegal for him to do it if she wasn't caught on tape doing something wrong? Would the cops be pursuing this and care about the phone if they weren't in defense of race? This? Would they go and search and seize property without a warrant if they didn't feel they could act with impunity? Would they then care about the traffic ticket if he was not the target of this clear racist goose chase? I mean, it's just one thing after the next. And my heart's really with the family because he's just been at the brunt of law enforcement being used in the worst way possible over the most petty accusation and racist behavior on the behalf of someone who is a public official. Yeah, while not conclusive, indisputable, has been in conversation with multiple attorneys who are interested in this case. So I just wanna make sure I say that because many people are concerned. Just know I'm concerned also and we're fighting like hell behind the scenes to expose every single one of these SOBs in that city and state. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. I'm going to read just a couple of comments. I'm really pressed for time, but thank you all for joining the conversation. Quickly, Craig Grace Flay, interesting how Black Bishop Lane got arrested for fraud within months while Trump is still free as a bird. Must be luck, I guess. Yeah, and I always contextualize it in that way, at least eventually. But you know, if he's stealing, if he's stealing money from people who are poor already. I get the context, I just don't care as it relates to him. And that's just being honest, all right? He needs to stop stealing money from well-intentioned people. All right, um, the SBI, according to Tall Glass of Shut Up Juice, or whatever agency oversees this PD and the DA, need to do a deep dive investigation. This is the epitome of corruption on multiple levels. What an absolute travesty, it is, saga continues. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're my friend. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Is this new for you? No, Karen. What the f are you talking about? Well, a Karen. I'm a, I'm a Karen now. I'm a Karen that cares about my street when you're sitting there and tailgating people. How am I tailgating? I'm, I'm doing deliveries. I don't even live over here. Oh, exactly. You don't think about where, you, where you're at right now, right? What, where are you, who are you delivering for? Why does that matter? What's that? Why does that matter? Why does it matter? Because my son can't even ride his bike in our neighborhood because people like you sit there driving around like a. I didn't tailgate anybody. You were tailgating. Who? I want uh, tailgating the guy in front of me, on our street that was trying to turn into his house. I'd like to know where you're living. I was not tailgating. We was delivering, We was we were we. Here, I'll, I'll take what. I was not tailgating. Huh? No, it's cool. Hey Siri, call nine one one. Call him. I didn't. I wasn't tailgating him. Should I call emergency services? He literally chasing me down the hey, street. Hey Siri, call Wilco. 
Non-emergency. Just to confirm, you'd like to call Coco Non-Emergency? Yes. Calling Coco Non-Emergency. I'm going to do my delivery, so you can do what you got to do. I have more video, but let's highlight an ironic dynamic already. She says, you were, you were tailgating the person in front of me. Well, damn, Karen, you must have some kind of superhero power in order to have that level of uh, visualization. Uh, also, why is she treating this as an emergency while calling the non-emergency line? There's more. Please don't walk up on me. Don't you stay over there. Dude. I want to know where you're delivering don't, to. It does not matter. It's none it of your business. Ma'am, look. Does, don't, I want to let the customer know. Call the police. Do not. Don't piss me off. I'm trying to be respectful. What are you, you going to do? Now you're getting out of your no, car. No, I got out of my car because you're driving erratical in a neighborhood. Not, where are you delivering? I'm delivering. You just need to, to calm down. To this? Can you please calm to down? To these guys right here? Can you please calm no. down? Like you literally just tailgate me. I'm like yeah, trying to figure out what you exactly. were doing. Okay, you please calm down. No, you now don't walk up not. to my car. Just relax. Let me do what I have to do. I'm working. Just stop right, bothering good. me. I'm so glad that you're all right. A great okay, worker. all right. Sitting there being in a neighborhood. I didn't do anything. You tailgating me. Don't don't leave. What, are, what am I? What I'm calling the police. I'm working. I didn't do anything. No, I'm calling the police. You can do what you have to do. Ma'am, do not no, follow I'm, me. I'm, these are my neighbors. Do not. You're following my neighbors. That's fine. Well, you're now you're doing too much. Now you're invading my privacy. I'm not invading your. You are. Do not follow me. Let me work. You're not working. Yes, I am. What else are you? How are you going to tell me? What is like? What is your problem? My problem is the way that you're driving in our neighborhood. Ma'am, I'm, I'm yeah, making delivery. Exactly. I was driving normally. Go ahead. I'm making deliver. a delivery. Deliver. I'm not welcome around here or something. What do you mean you're not welcomed around here? That's, that's what it is. No, you're driving. Ma'am, yeah, I'm not. It's I was 25 miles an hour. I was driving yeah. normally. You're you the one tailgating me. Because that's how you were driving. That was because no, it was not. I'm driving normally. You're tailgating me. What are you talking about? Hi. Yes, I am um, in the middle of a, a situation in my in my neighborhood because of this guy that was driving radical in our neighborhood. Radical. Okay. This is actually a very dangerous situation. And we've highlighted these things before. The weaponization of 911, the weaponization of whiteness, and the weaponization of white panic. There could be tears, anxiety in the voice. The reason why Karen's call 911 is because typically 911 did exactly what they needed them to do. It was a hand and glove relationship. Now, is that starting to change? Of course, with more diversity in police departments, people are more aware and also individuals are starting to record. Good stuff, it doesn't mean it has been eliminated. Now, in this case, literally the only person that admitted to a criminal act was Karen herself. She's the one in the video who admitted to a criminal activity. But see, she's justified. Because she was trying to protect her neighbors from a black man inside of the community. There was a time in this country where that would have been perfectly allowable. As a matter of fact, 
the whole dynamic of this Karen stopping this young black male. And listen, don't ever fall for the narrative that they are afraid of black men, never. Does she seem afraid to you? Of course not, she wants to put him in his place and she's perfectly, uh, she feels safe enough to approach him. She's perfectly okay, until she calls 911, there's a panic. Now, remember, all of this is about freedom. The uh, highlight is where are your freedom papers? You have no right to be in my community, give me your reason. You don't have to provide that, but according to many, Karen's, you do. Um, let me give you some background. Let's put his picture up. Um, big ups to this brother who kept his cool and professionalism, and he was courteous, just a dynamic person, obviously, all around. According to the poster of the video, who's, uh, who works for Instacart, it was in Austin, Texas, according to the post. Uh, it happened earlier this month. He said prior to the video, the woman followed him for two blocks, two or three blocks. In the neighborhood, and it wasn't her direct neighbors. The people uh, he was delivering to in the neighborhood were black customers. When the black neighbors came out to ask what is going on, other white neighbors came out and started asking Karen questions. The poster suspects the Karen was drunk because the people she called ended up being in the inbound lot. If you want to get further information, on the incident, you can always follow this young brother at Kristen Christensen 388 on TikTok. There it is. Okay. Once again, he handled this very well. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. Yeah, he handled this so well. Uh, he's so nonchalant through the whole yeah. thing when he has every right to be angry from the very start because she has no business getting in the way of him getting this delivery on time. Uh, and finally, you realize why she's upset when she says it's her neighborhood. And he, he puts it together well, and he's yeah. definitely correct to say that she's just upset that a black man is in her neighborhood. Uh, and it's funny at the beginning of the tape uh, when he she says, "Oh, so I'm a Karen because I'm caring. No, Karen and caring are two different things. She is a caring person, someone who is caring too much about black people being around and being at peace. And instead she should be minding her own business. But Karen, of course, is a pejorative word and she really needs to learn to keep to herself in public. Because you're absolutely right, this is weaponized. And he's nonchalant through the whole thing. But you can hear the concern when she's trying to get law enforcement to arrive because we all know how this could end for him. If she tries and makes it seem like he was the one harassing her. Which is oftentimes what these Karens do once the cops show up. We know that they're the ones initially aggressing the situation. He wasn't even tailgating her. She didn't even accuse him of tailgating her. And so it's a ridiculous situation. I concur. That's something for everybody. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Many illegal Mexicans coming here to our country and going to destroy our country. Ma'am. Don't ma You're racist. No, I'm not racist. I'm asking if you're legal. If I'm legal. Yeah. That is crazy. That doesn't make me racist at all. You're racist, ma'am. Me. Yeah. Get, no, I ain't helping you with that. I'm racist, right? You're racist.
out of here. Absolutely. That'd be great. There's more. Here it is. You're crazy if I'm legal. If I'm legal, man. You are crazy. He's a woke person because I asked him if he was legal. All of a sudden, I'm racist. Apparently, you don't know what racist is. If I'm legal, do I look Mexican? What do I look like? You look like a stupid person. It does have a job. You're racist, ma'am. Call the cops. I just did your carpet. That is crazy. Yeah. Insane. So, obviously, what she said was racist. Her actions were bigoted. The, the other male who's with her, uh, he realizes how racist she is. Uh, he, he says, listen, go, leave. I don't know what it takes to be in proximity to a Karen on a regular basis, but I'm sure it is not an enlightening experience. All right, um, we're not sure exactly where this happened. We think it may have happened in Phoenix. The video was taken down uh, pretty quickly, but we were able to capture it. Let's put up the picture full mass of the Karen here. She's still at large, ladies and gentlemen. If anybody, if anybody knows this Karen, it is time to have an intervention with your auntie because she's in these streets living reckless. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. Of course it was racist. I mean, if you were genuinely concerned, if this person had the proper you know, paperwork to be working in the United States and you were hiring them for a job, you would have asked them that question maybe before they finished doing your carpet. By her asking this at the end, it's very obvious that she's racially profiling him, thinking that he's Mexican because she says, are you an illegal immigrant from Mexico? She literally says Mexico in her statement there. That's why you know it's racism and not her asking a simple or necessary question. And the guy she's with saying shut up and go indicates to me that this might not be the first time something like this went down with her. Yeah, it was all in his voice. Yeah. His voice said, here we go again. <laughs> All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Always good to have you all stay with us. Still pressed for time, but I got a couple of comments I definitely want to highlight. Lynn says Karen number two was once again more upset about being called racist rather than being racist. Great observation. Um, A1X, Dr. Richie, I want to make sure somebody told Mr. Dudley that he can uh, submit a support request with Google Drive and they can usually re recover any file deleted within the past 30 days. Uh, we're going to relay that. I think it was relayed by one of the producers a few days ago because we had that information last week. But I will make sure it was relayed and if not, we'll do it today. But thank you for that information again. Okay, anti-Karens unite.
So usually I'm against assaulting a person in a wheelchair, completely against it. But let me submit something to you. The statement was, there are black people and then there are N words is what he said. And he continued to shout it over and over and over again. Here's what I saw, after he did that, he then requested that he needed water because he needed a shower. And there was an individual who literally was able to accommodate that particular proclamation. He said it out loud. All right, that's called an affirmative defense if he goes to court. But the reality is this, cause and effect. I do not condone violence, but there is a cause and effect relationship with things you put out in the universe. And if you decide to go around and call everyone the N-word, well, there may be a consequence. There was no actual damage, he was not injured, the person could have obviously done some actual damage to him and he did not. I do hope all of the individuals who live there can reconcile because it's friction like that that can lead to an outcome 100% irrevocable. All right, Jessica thoughts. I hope the water was cold, I really do. I hope the water in that bucket was cold. Uh, Listen, when people talk about folks being violent, sometimes people are acting in response to aggression. Oftentimes people who are addressing folks that are acting in terribly racist ways, uh, their response is is an anti-fascist response. Wherever you're fighting racism, and I always say you've gotta put out the small brush fire so that we don't have a wildfire. And with the bucket of water, this happened pretty literally in this case. That's right, it sure did. All right, no one was actually injured during that. Anti-Karen moment. Okay, Texas done did it. School officials can now carry guns inside of the local school system. Let's go ahead and get it put up the picture full mass of the erudite board who made this decision. This is in Keller, Texas. A school district board meeting approved a policy that would allow staff members to be armed on campus. On December 12th, the Keller Independent School District met to discuss their guardian program. A program meant to defend against an active shooter until police arrive. This comes in the wake of the May 24th Uvalde shooting that killed 19 children and two adults at Robb Elementary. Now, what they're saying is if a teacher would have been armed during that Uvalde shooting, all of those children would not have been shot. Well, let's analyze the data. The police who were armed and trained and had protective gear, they failed. They did not execute their duties properly. So you're telling me that all of a sudden school teachers are going to become Rambo, untouchable, fearless, no training, no equipment, no gear, no backup. But that's your plan, creating a false sense of security 
for those who are around that teacher or administrator. Here's something else. The reality is at the Uvalde shooting, guess what? It was a parent, multiple parents actually, who broke through the barrier of police. They were unarmed, they saved children, unlike the police did. So what does it take, a gun? No, it takes heart, it takes heart. Also, insurance companies typically will fail to insure a school district after this policy is passed. The reason is because they are afraid of either A, a teacher having a bad day, or B, a student getting their hands on wherever that gun is located inside of that school because it's on an untrained person. There's more. Prior to the vote, the district sent out a survey to analyze reactions. All right, this is testing the political wins. 35,000 recipients received the survey. It included parents, teachers, and community members and leaders. Only 9% responded. Out of that 9%, they still chose to move on with the policy anyway. Under the new policy, this is the new rule. Under the new policy, some employees would become guardians voluntarily and would have to meet certain firearm training and other requirements. District leaders could remove the employee's authorization status at a moment's notice. Now, okay, maybe if you remove it, it's too late to be removed. Just a thought. Parents who attended the meetings, well, they had mixed feelings. All right, some of them supported it, others did not. And those against this measure believe this could further endanger their children. I concur with that sentiment based on historical evidence. We have reported on multiple situations where teachers against the rules of the school brought a gun. That gun ended up either going off or getting into the wrong hands. We've reported on that right here. One board member, one board member who's against it is a retired teacher who pointed to a survey that found an overwhelming number of teachers were opposed to carrying firearms. When you have 848 people that say no, and you have 60 people who say yes, I think that speaks loudly, said board member Ruthie Keys. They don't give a damn about the teachers. They don't give a damn about the students and they don't give a damn about the community. Universally, virtually all of these groups are basically against the item. This is a political dynamic. That's the only people who afford those who subscribe to a political ideology and are empowered to execute politicians. They're the ones moving this, all right? Doesn't make sense whatsoever. Um, the uh, ironically, a teacher uh, was actually shot by a student is against arming the faculty. Now this is a hell of a dynamic connected to the story. John Moffat, a retired Montana principal was shot by a student, he's a teacher opposed to arming his colleagues. Imagine what would happen if you introduced into that scene somebody on staff carrying a weapon and running adrenaline charged into that, he stated. It's almost impossible for me to imagine that it wouldn't have been worse. Negligent discharge incidents, such as when a sixth grade Utah teacher mistakenly shot a school toilet when she recklessly placed it on top of the toilet paper dispenser. 
only support this sentiment. Um, school teachers are remarkable people. My mother who adopted me is still a school teacher. She loves her job. She doesn't want teachers being armed. Know why? Because that's not what they signed up to do. You have resource officers, you have opportunity to engage. You have other services who are designed to do that. Also, teachers do have bad days. And what if there's a fight in the school? What would have ended in a fight being separated now ends in a student getting shot by a teacher because they have a gun on the premises. And they feel as if they have the authority to use it anytime they are threatened. This is bad. There are three states where legislation like this is always tested first. Georgia, Florida, and Texas. There's some ambiguity with Mississippi and Alabama. But you're guaranteed those three. Now Texas has it. Guess what? Next year, we're going to be reporting on other states doing the same. Other cities are making similar policies. Jessica, thoughts here? The idea that you could arm teachers and give them more training and more duties than they already have is insane. These are people who have to get master's degrees and special training on top of their degrees to do their jobs. To be a police officer in the United States, it's about 804, 21 weeks. Compare that to five plus years of higher yeah. education for the teachers. And then you're gonna make them have firearms. Instead, we should just be investing in building new structures for community safety, uh, training new individuals uh, to protect us and keep us safe who have the heart to do so, who have children in those schools and roots in those communities and actually want to protect and serve the community. Well said, um, we're going to follow this saga, it's a bad idea. We will see how the implementation works. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. A victim calls 911. 911 comes, bronze him over. Put up the picture for mass. The man called the police for help. He ends up being fatally run over by the cop. Let me take you to the video first. Here it is. The man called the police for help. Put his picture up. Let me give you the highlights of this traumatic story. The family of 42 year old Eric Cole, a black man who died after being run over by a police cruiser 
has now filed a civil lawsuit. Um, this is in Springfield, Ohio, um, Officer Amanda Rosales runs over Mr. Eric Cole that night. Officer responsible from Ohio uh, and two dispatchers are in this suit for improperly relaying messages about him to the officer. Uh, now let me tell you why that part is important. We have literally covered cases where young children have been killed by the police. Police were trigger happy and they should be held accountable for those murders. But when we heard the 911 call, we could clearly hear that the 911 caller did not properly relay the information over dispatch. I have long held from day one that when that happens, that is a contributory negligence that led to the death of a human being. That person has to be charged. You don't need to have intent to be charged with some level of homicide. You can have what's called gross negligence. You're so depraved about what you've done, you're so thoughtless about it that you have went over the barrier to criminal, even if you did not intend for anybody to die. Now on one operators are typically not caught up in the saga. Once it is revealed, they misappropriated information. This time, the lawsuit includes it. Cole called 911 after he was shot lying in the street following a domestic dispute in June 2021. That's your incident. Instead of helping the man, the officer, let's put her up, she ran him over with her city issued SUV. The officer was allowed to return to work after being placed on paid administrative leave for over a year. She got a one year vacation paid every single week by the taxpayers. After an internal investigation by the department, Chief Lee Graff and Ohio AG Dave Yost determined, and I quote, his death was tragic, but not criminal, chalking it up as an unfortunate accident. And the officer was not charged. Once again, they're playing games. They charge people every day with what's called non-intent crimes. Meaning you don't have man's rail. You did not try to commit a murder, but your gross negligence did. That is still criminally chargeable. There are statutes to do so. Limited, but they are there. Attorneys Ben Crump, dear friend of mine, Michael Wright and Rex Elliott filed the lawsuit on behalf of Joyce Wilson. Italic Dennis, Wilson is Cole's grandmother and Dennis is his son. They filed this against the officer and Clark County dispatchers, Aaron Reynolds and Mary Herge. The December 14th lawsuit is not only seeking compensation for the loss of life and the amount exceeding $25,000, but for law enforcement to be fully transparent with the family and the public. The lawsuit comes months after a grand jury failed to indict those involved in the case. The attorneys also want the DOJ to step in and review the case to uncover any patterns or practices of implicit bias or excessive force. Because the emergency medics did not know he was hit by the police vehicle, he was never treated on site. Instead, he was transported from the scene by Springfield Fire to Springfield Regional 
Medical Hospital and then airlifted to Miami Valley Hospital, where he was pronounced dead the following day. The SPD stated in a press release around the time of the incident, Dayton 247 now reported the Montgomery County Coroner's Office said Cole did not die from the gunshot. He was only shot in the arm. He didn't die from that. He died from blunt force trauma to the torso and extremities. He died because the woman ran him over. That's the reason he's dead. If he decided to simply not call 911, the brother would be alive right now. And this is the perplexity that these things create, especially for my community. There are times we need to call 911, and damn it, we pay for it, and we should. If it comes to it, we should be able to trust that the emergency services that we pay tax dollars for will respond to us appropriately. However, the lawsuit alleges that had the medics known the cop hit Cole, they would have done more to save his life based on the information, and that is accurate. I mean, they've basically said that themselves. They were unaware that he was hit because they didn't relay that information. According to the lawsuit, both dispatchers failed to properly relay the 42 year old's location to responding officers or to other dispatchers on their radio. That's a violation of protocol. They're all supposed to do that. Court documents show both Reynolds and Hurd spoke to Cole after he was shot in the shoulder. He left the place. He left the place where he was shot and called 911 for assistance. Cole said multiple times to dispatcher, I heard, I'm in the middle of the street. It's multiple times on this recording. Later, according to court records quoted in the lawsuit, Hurd asked Reynolds, did you let them know he was in the middle of the street? Reynolds replied, I didn't see it. The lawsuit states Eric was wearing a white shirt. Let's put it up. Lying with his feet toward the curb and his head towards the middle of the street. He was visible in the cruiser's headlights for at least five seconds, if not more, before the cop hit him. Let me ask you this question. If you're driving or I'm driving so recklessly that we don't see a human being in front of us in the street, and clearly we should be able to see this if we're simply paying attention. Do you think they let you go home? Do you think they let me go home? No, not at all. The police, the police report mentions most of the incident details, including the officer being involved in an accident, it says. Involved in an accident with Cole, but did not explicitly say the officer hit the man. Well, she was just involved in an accident. Cole's family was not told about him being run over by the police officer until a day and a half after the incident and after his death, attorney said. Officials said the officer was confused about the location of the shooting and was reading house numbers when she struck the man. Once again, that's an admission of fact, admission of guilt. You were not paying attention, your negligence led to the death of another person. Will she be prosecuted for this? No. She will not, obviously, based on the last proclamation from the city. All five medics connected to Cole's case learned from news reports that the man they were treating was not dying from a gunshot wound, but because he was hit 
by a police cruiser. They learned it from the damn news. If these officers would have just cared about this man's life, rather than trying to cover up their own dysfunction, he may have survived. They added to the initial EMS report stating in detail that one of them was advised the victim was hit by the cruiser, the complaint says. All right, added notes. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. This headline is just terrible. I mean, a man who was shot calls the cops, gets hit by a police officer instead. This is why the onion just isn't funny anymore, because that's a real headline. That's something that actually happened. And there was plenty of time to break, there was room to swerve. And the fact that she didn't feel the need to tell EMS what had happened, this man's life could have been saved if EMS knew what they were treating, that he was hit by a car and it wasn't a gunshot wound. His entire life would have been saved. But instead, she cared more about her career and saving her job as a police officer when we can all see the footage from the dash cam that she had plenty of time to stop, plenty of room to swerve. It's just absolutely absurd that this happens in the United States where we have so much resources to devote to good health care. And instead we have people dying in the streets, so much money going to the police. And instead they're, they're reading house numbers while driving and not paying attention to the road. Yep, there you go. We will continue to follow the story, bring you the updates as they come. Lawsuit has been filed, there will be movement in 2023 obviously. Okay, black woman decides to be a good Samaritan because she's a good person. She sees a credit card, returns it, tries to get it back to the owner, does the right thing, ends up being arrested and her life turned upside down. This is out of Detroit. Let's put her picture up, full mass, unbelievable story, but believe it. A Detroit good Samaritan. Tried to return a credit card to his rifle owner, but was arrested instead. On June 16th, the lady you're looking at, her name is Sandra Wilson. Miss Wilson walked to the gas station across from her home, as she has done many times before. While checking out the uh, while checking out her merchandise, her items, she noticed a credit card was left on the counter. Tried to return it to his rifle owner. Surveillance still shows Miss Wilson in the blue dress. The woman with the long hair, the true owner is is seen leaving, but walks back in. Another woman with the pink pants steps away and the card owner talks to the clerk and leaves her card on the counter out of the view of Miss Wilson. After the lady in the pink leaves, Miss Wilson notices the card and walks out to ask the woman in pink, hey, did you leave your card? She replied, yes, Ms. Wilson retrieves the card and gives it to her. Simple, right? Nope, there's more. Ms. Wilson went on with her life, okay? She started receiving calls, however, from family members saying that she was wanted by the police. The Detroit Police Department 7th Precinct to be exact. There's a post. They put up saying, hey, this woman is wanted by us for credit card fraud. 
Look at that, they put the woman online. There it is. Ms. Wilson went to the precinct trying to clear her name because she did nothing illegal. She believes the police may have just made a good faith mistake. These are decent people, let me go clear this up. But instead, she went there to clear it up. She was arrested, called a liar because she claimed she gave the card back to the clerk. The police did not provide the surveillance video for Ms. Wilson to play out the scene for them, okay? Steals of Ms. Wilson being interrogated. She said, and I quote, I don't know what you all want me to tell y'all. I just walked in the gas station and you all took a picture of me and ruined my life, end quote. Ms. Wilson asked for an attorney three times, yet they continued to interrogate her. I got enough law school under my belt to know that is completely illegal. The officer seen here tells her, I can tell you lying. We know for a fact you're lying. We know, Ms. Wilson fired back. No, you don't know for a fact because I'm not lying. Ms. Wilson spent three days in jail, faced two felonies. They could have sent her to year uh, to four years in prison. Reputation has been damaged, life upside down, felony charges still on her record. Four months later, a judge looks at this case. Let's put him up. Judge Paul uh, Chusick of Wayne County, third district court judge. He saw the video, he just looked at the damn video, that's all he did. He looked at the video and dismissed the case right before it went to trial. These SOBs were going to prosecute this woman and all the judge had to do was hit play. Think about the lack of value a person has for another individual when they're not willing to just hit a button. I said, well, let me see, let me check it out. All right, okay, okay. I, I don't believe you, but just in case, let me hit play. They didn't even do that for her. the judge did. Um, this is unbelievable to me, the judge says. No trier of fact, even in the light of, even in the uh, light most favorable to the prosecution, could ever think that Miss Wilson is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Absurd and ridiculous and wrong, and this was not a thorough investigation, end quote from the judge. Good for you, judge. Now, I need you to sanction the attorney who was gonna bring this before you. Chief of Police James E. White and Commanding Officer John Sevick of the 7th District. Those are your leaders, they failed. Although Wilson's case was dismissed and charges were dropped, her image is still floating around online labeling her as a credit card thief. She hasn't been able to find a new job and was evicted from her own apartment. They embarrassed me, humiliated me. I have 49 applications, I can't get a job, she said, that's not fair. And let me say this for everyone, for everyone watching. Yes, the charges were dropped. But when there's a question that says, have you ever been charged or convicted of a felony? She has to say yes. But black people in particular, when you say you have been charged with a felony, you might as well have been convicted. All right, Jessica, thoughts here. 
Yeah, it's very clear these people have a predisposition to look for crime. And when you think about during the, the Halloween season, when they talk about drug dealers putting fentanyl in the candy and stuff, it's ridiculous because if you're a drug dealer, you're in that business to make money. We've talked about this on TYT before. If you are someone who is committing credit card theft, you're not gonna go into a store or go to right. a police station and try and return it. I mean, let's be very real. Uh, they're trying to frame people for crimes because they have a predisposition to look for crimes in the black community. So well said, predisposition to look for crimes and they have the innate bias that couples together that really victimizes people of color. All right, this is always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Always great to be on here. I'm on Rebel HQ and the TYT network a lot. So follow me there. Also on TikTok at Cubberbank. Awesome. All right. Until next time. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, but what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm -hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's well, a racist I'm, I'm policy, saying. racist policy. Shelly, That's here's what I don't to. know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're gonna get it though.